In love, a throne will be established. In faithfulness, a man will sit on it. One from the house of David. One who in judging seeks justice and speeds the cause of righteousness. Isaiah 16, 6. 2,000 years ago, the world was a dark place, not only for the Hebrew nation, but for all of mankind. Sin had enslaved mankind and separated us from God and his love. The people of Israel awaited the promised Messiah who would restore light, joy, hope, and peace to God's children. Little did they realize the immensity of God's love and his plan. While the people hoped for a Messiah to save them from political oppression, God sent us his son to save us from the oppression of sin and to become a living power in our hearts and lives.
In Hosea, a promise was made. I will give you a sign. A virgin will be with child and will call him Emmanuel. Hosea 11, 1. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, for what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Wherever the good news of our Messiah was embraced, people sang the story, some with harps and lyres, some with trumpets and organs. Others sang of the virgin's birth using drums and shakers. Yes, the Virgin Mary had a baby boy they said that his name was Jesus.
Now, close your eyes and come with me to a cold, dark valley. We have gathered around a toasty fire while our sheep lie nestled nearby. The valley explodes in light as an angel of the Lord appears to us, and the glory of the Lord shines around us. And we are terrified. But the angel says to us, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born for you. He is Christ the Lord. had left them and gone into heaven, 
the shepherds said to one another, Let's go into Bethlehem and see this thing that the angels told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about the child, and all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. The shepherds have returned to their flocks, telling of the wonderful things they have seen and heard. The Magi have seen Jesus' natal star over Bethlehem and have embarked on their quest to find and worship the newborn King of the Jews. Quiet returns to the stable, and the humble, blessed young girl cradles in her arms God's Son the King of Kings, the Savior of the world. She cuddles Jesus, coos to him, nurses him, and lays him in a manger as silence returns to this most holy night. Silence now. 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They followed the star until it stopped over the place where the child was. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh.
What a curious yet perfect plan God set into action. The king of kings sequestered among common people where he would grow in relative obscurity in an insignificant village. Born in a stable, his mother and father were unknown outside of their village. Shepherds, the lowliest of the Jews, were the first to hear the news and see the Messiah. Magi bring gifts to the child that financed the Holy Family's escape to Egypt from terrified King Herod. The Christ child would grow to a man until the appointed time when he would bring light and life to all who believe. That time is now. Now celebrate with us the birth of our Savior, humbly born, yet glorified by angelic hosts, crucified to wash away our sin, and resurrected to give us life eternal. Truly, he brings joy to the world. Please stand and join us in singing, Joy to the World.
We'd like to give a special thanks today to the Chancel Choir, to the orchestra, to Brad on the organ, to Roseanne on the piano, to Asa as narrator, and to Cheryl who uh, directed all of this. So give it up for everyone. You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Hi, my name is Jason Leininger, and I'm one of the pastors here at Schweitzer and Church of the Center. I want to welcome you tonight. And before we, we really get rolling, I just want to um, reiterate uh, that next week is Christmas Eve, and we have some special things planned on Christmas Eve. And so... I'd love for you to, there you go, we've got the graphic, about Christmas Eve services next week here on this campus, and we have four of them happening next week at 1034, 6, and 8 o'clock, and we would love to have you come be a part of those. All of those will take place over in the building that's next door in the sanctuary building here, and if you would love to, um, you want to celebrate Christmas Eve, we'd love to have you be a part of those, and I think you all have... You've all got that on your on your seat, right? So take that home with you. Put that someplace and uh, join us next weekend for Christmas Eve service. We'd love to do that. Tonight is, um, as KJ already mentioned to you, we're gonna we're gonna look at a at another feature of the Old Testament. We've been in a series called Here Among Us, where we've been taking a look throughout the Old Testament, especially in the Book of Isaiah, about how God has been present to us and God is among us is somebody, uh, the first week of the series, we looked at how God is among us as somebody who comforts us because there are times in our life when we need comfort. And then last week, we, we talked about how God comes among us and he redeems, he, he brings back, he brings things from that are broken and he brings those b- things back into, into whole places, places where things are he- healthy. Tonight, we're going to look at the reality that God builds. God takes things that we are, who we are, and he builds things with it. And so I've asked somebody to join me tonight who's a builder. I'm a, I do a little building, and then Tim builds too. So why don't you introduce yourself, Tim? Yeah, what's Mister. up, everyone? Uh, I'm Tim Smith. I'm the youth guy, the youth director here at Schweitzer. I get to hang out with the, uh, the middle school and high school students, which is uh, chaos, but it's a blast. But uh, I, I, I want to ask for your forgiveness because I've never got to be uh, a part of a Church of the Center uh, gathering worship service, like ever. This is my first one. Uh, so I'm a rookie here this morning, um, or this evening. I'm normally uh, hanging out with some high school students on Sunday evening. So I'm super psyched to be here tonight with you guys hanging out. Um, love to meet some of you. I met some of you guys um, already, but man, there's so many that I haven't met, and you guys seem pretty amazing. So after service or something, or I don't care, during service, I'd love to meet you guys, if that's yeah. all right. Uh, but I do want to ask a question, question response, super quick. Um, before we get going this evening, but what is one thing that you guys have either uh, created or built for someone else in your lives? Something you've created or built for someone else? You just yell it out, raise your hand, I don't care. A birdhouse, nice. Catastrophe. Nice, okay. Wow, what a gift. Hey, what are you up open on Christmas morning? Catastrophe. That's great. Gingerbread house, nice. Security. Oh. Some of the, yeah, in the back. A what? A wardrobe? A cedar wardrobe. Nice. That's awesome. That's amazing. What's that? A what? 
Oh, uh, gun cabinet. Nice. LCP, All right. the life change plan. Derek. Babies. <laughs> All right, here we go. Whoa. We're getting into it now. Okay, we better move on. <laughs> Who knows where this is going from now? Whoa. All right, well, yeah, we'll move on. So, um... <laughs> So guys, uh, I love uh, I love to build it. Just recently, I've gotten super into woodworking. I've got a buddy who lives down in Branson that uh, has a garage full of woodworking stuff, and um, I've got some friends that just recently got uh, married a couple of months ago. And before that, they had a shower. You guys know wedding showers, right? They're super boring. They're normally only for the female in a relationship, but uh, some of my buddies get to have something called a tool shower. Have you guys ever heard of a tool shower before? Yeah, no one really has, and I didn't get one either, but all my buddies have gotten them. And a tool shower is basically a wedding shower for the fellas. So you basically get to go to, like, Sears or Home Depot or Lowe's. You scan all sorts of stuff, and then all sorts of people buy you things from those places to put in your garage so you can, like, build things and work on your cars and stuff like that, right? Which is super cool. I wish I had one. I never got to have Tim, one. Tim, you're stirring up jealousy I know, right and now. I apologize every guy for in that. This room. You're stirring up jealousy. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> But um, my buddy was having one of those, and uh, I was like, I don't want to buy him anything. I want to make him something. So um, I made, he loves to float. He loves to get out on the river and float around and stuff. And so I made him a paddle. Um, and this paddle um, is like when I make these things, I don't, like, I'm not a pro. Please know, I'm a rookie woodworker by all means. And, uh, but I make these things for people, uh, and I want them to be used. I do not want Shane and Sarah to put this paddle above their, like, mantle or above their fireplace or in their garage on a wall and just look at it and say, oh, how beautiful, right? How lame would that be? Like, I want, I want this to be used. I, next time I go to their house, I want it to be dinged up. I want it to be scratched up. I want it to be discolored because I want them to use this. I built this to be used. And is it perfect? No. It is not perfect by any means. And guess what? I made it, like, two feet too long. Yeah, that's going to be rough when they get into a canoe, right? I also use the exact wrong wood, so it's like 20 pounds too heavy, all right? So, yes, it does look, it might look the part, but I promise you guys there are, there are all sorts of issues with this paddle that I made for Shane and Sarah that they'll still be able to use, and I hope they do use it, but I really, really never want something that I create or build for someone to be a mantelpiece. I don't want it to be a piece of art. I want it to be used to, it, to its first purpose. Sometimes it's okay to create a piece of art. I wish I could be that artistic, but I'm a builder too. And I'm more of like a, just a big construction kind of builder. And so years ago when my wife and I were having babies, we ended up with uh, four of them. And we had to figure out, you know, how, how are we going to handle all these kids in beds and stuff like that? And so out of necessity, I started to create beds. I started to build beds and I'd use like two by fours and two by sixes and I, uh, realized with with the help of my wife that you could add some stuff to it to make it look nicer than just regular stuff and then I got around some friends and some of my friends needed beds and so we started making beds and I think in my in my life so far I've made around 10 beds and about half of them are at our house and the rest of them are somebody else's house they've just they've migrated to other places and again they're this one, this one is kind of, it's a fun bed, but they're not always pretty, but they're very functional, and they're a gift that you can give, a gift that matters. Well, <clears throat> tonight we're going to hear about a passion. Tim and I both like to build. We both have different things we like to build, and obviously some of you in here like to build stuff too. We're going to hear about David, the Old Testament king, who had a passion to build something, and he had a conversation with a prophet and then with God. 
And so Tim's going to read that scripture text for us from from 2 Samuel. Yes, if you guys have a Bible with you or a phone or something, or you just want to follow along, uh, we're in 2 Samuel 7, verses 1 through 11. And this is out of the message version, so um, puts in some uh, more layman terms for us. But here we go. Before long, the king made himself at home, and God gave him his, pa- his peace from all his enemies. Then one day, King David said to Nathan the prophet, look, look at this, man. Here I am, comfortable in the luxurious house of cedar, and the chest of God is in a plain tent. Nathan told the king, whatever's on your heart, go do it. God is with you. But that night, the word of God came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, this is God's word on the matter. You're going to build me a house for me to live in? Why? I haven't lived in a house from the time I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt until now. All that time, I've moved about in nothing but a tent. In all my travels with Israel, did I ever say to any of the leaders I commanded the shepherd Israel, why haven't you built me a house out of cedar? So here's what I tell you uh, to tell my servant David. The God of the angel armies has sent word to you. <clears throat> I look, I look, sorry, I took you from the pasture, tagging along after sheep, and made your prince, or made you prince over my people Israel. I was with you everywhere you went and mowed your enemies down before you. And now I'm making you famous to be ranked with the great names on earth. I'm going to set aside a place for your people, Israel, and plant them there so that they'll have their own home and not be knocked around anymore. Nor will evil men afflict you as they always have. Even during the days I set judges over my people, Israel, finally I'm going to give you peace from all your enemies. And furthermore, God has this message for you. God himself will build you a house. Let's set the stage with a little background understanding what that text is about. That text tells us about King David, one of the most famous kings in all of Israel. And when King David came to the spot where he was having a conversation with the prophet Nathan, he he had uh, begun to build his himself a house. He'd already built himself a house in the city that we call Jerusalem, and he called it Jerusalem to this day. It was a house that was that was significant, and he had begun to build walls around Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was fortified. It became the capital for what David considered the kingdom of, of Israel, and we today it's, it's still there. You can still go to Israel today, and you can still see places where David built, places where David lived and walked. And as, as he was unifying the, the, the nation of Israel, he came to this conclusion as he looked out out of his windows. He saw that the tent of, of God, there was a tent, actually, from the time of Moses, after the Israelites and Moses had led them out of Egypt, and they were in the Sinai Peninsula, and they were walking around in the Sinai. God said, build a tent, and in the tent put this box. Now, some of you, uh, if you know Old, Test- Old Testament history well, you know what that what's in that box, like the Ten Commandments and uh, there's Aaron's staff. If you watch uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know that that box is something that people have been looking for for a long time. And, and they even make movies about it. And supposedly it's stored somewhere. I don't know. But um, you guys seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, okay. All right. I'm just wondering if you're tracking there. Uh, so this, this box is significant, but it's been in a tent. And David looks out of a house and he's like, that box that symbolizes God's presence and God's power with us. Why is it in a tent? Here I'm living in a in a secure house, but why is that in a tent? It ought to be in a significant building too. And so that's when he goes to the prophet and he says, Nathan, I want to build a house. And Nathan says, 
you know, for, for God's uh, house for God. And Nathan says, that sounds like a great idea. But then the Lord comes to Nathan. He says, Nathan, he says, I've got this message to send back to David. First, first off, thanks. I've never asked that from you, but really it, it's a message of thanks from God to, to David. He said, David, I, I really see your heart and I see your passion. In fact, from the places where you were just as a young person, you were a, a young shepherd boy out in the wilderness, and you really didn't know what end was up, but you had a heart that was open to me. And so whenever you were called on, whenever somebody asked you to do something for me, you were there, and you said yes, and you were open. And so from that time on, I've been leading you and guiding you, and you've come to this place where you want to build a house for me. David, the Lord says, he says, Thanks. But that's not what I really desire. But because your heart is open, listen up, David. <clears throat> you've, you've heard stories of Abraham, and you've heard stories of the covenant that I made with Abraham. And the promises I made to Father Abraham, the father of all the Jews, was this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a history, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a name, and your name is going to be remembered. And I'm going to give you a land, and I'm going to give you people, descendants who live in that land, and they're going to prosper and, and God does the same thing with David. He says, David, your passion for me, your desire for me, your yes and openness to me is something that I so love and cherish that I'm going to give you a name. In fact, it's why we still remember David today because, because of what God was doing in his life. I'm going to give you a name. And I'm going to give your people this land of peace. And they're going to be able to dwell in it. And they're going to be able to prosper in it. And they're going to be able to thrive in this place. And, and uh, David, the things that you've wanted to do, like build some buildings in the city of Jerusalem or build a wall, those have been fantastic things. But I'm going to do for you things that you could have never dreamed or imagined. You can't even begin to describe what I'm going to do because You've had this passion to follow me. And so David, David hears that, and he's like, okay. He's still got work to do in his own life. But as we move towards Christmas, as we open up the story of Christmas, if, especially if you open up the, the beginning pages of the Gospel of Matthew, you hear how Matthew writes a lineage of, the, of all of the descendants of Jesus, and he comes down to Joseph, and he says, you know who Joseph is in the line of, he's in the line of David. And from Joseph and Mary, or really from Mary, but who has the lineage, the history, the ancestry, the descendancy of David, is Joseph. And there's something significant that comes into play at Christmas because of David's desire, David's yes, David's openness to God. You want to you take up from there? Yeah, yeah. So... So we so we're in the Christmas season. Um, who like if you were to pick one character or one person from the Bible uh, that is most prevalent during the Christmas season, who would that be? Jesus, right? Emmanuel. Jesus, Emmanuel, yeah. So the second person I would think that would be pretty important would be probably like Mary, maybe. Um, a lot of times in the Christmas season, I don't look at Joseph as being a very main character, right? Uh, he didn't have much to do with uh, the birth of Jesus. If you knew, if you know how Scripture goes. But the thing that, that, that is so important about Joseph that he had a big yes to make. He had to say yes to God 
when it wasn't very easy. And I'm wondering if people in, in, in here tonight, including myself, it is hard for me to say yes to God a lot of times because I don't know the outcome. And, it, and at this time, when we look at the, the, the birth story of Jesus and we look at the Christmas story, Joseph and Mary were engaged, right? They're like in, they're in this, this deep relationship. They're engaged. And Joseph gets word that Mary is going to have a child. But Joseph's like, dude, that ain't my kid. Like, what's this about? And so, so Scripture tells us in Matthew that, that Joseph is a noble guy. He's a respectable guy. He loves Mary. But yet, Mary, the, one, the, the baby that's in Mary's belly is not his. And in biblical times, any other man would have said, forget you, Mary. I'm going to make your life a living you-know-what, and you're, you're, you're going to hate life. But because Joseph was, was a noble guy, um, he decides to protect Mary, and, and Scripture tells us he, he decides to, to take care of this in a quiet manner and, and to kind of put this aside and not make a big spectacle about this. But we've got to think, you know, Mary is going through a, an unbelievable amount of drama in her life, right? You think about Mary is, is no one knows who, her, who, who the father is of her son, right? Uh, it's not Joseph, the guy she's engaged to. And so when she walks down the streets in biblical times, People are probably looking at her in some pretty nasty ways, right? Like, who are you to be walking the streets when you don't know who the father of your child is, right? Right, exactly. And so, and so, you know, I can't imagine the drama or, or the, the, the things that are going through Joseph's mind. You know, he's trying to protect the girl that he's engaged to, the woman he's engaged to. But yet, all these people are probably looking at him the same way of like, man, you're going to stick around this lady and, and she's going to have a child that's not yours? Right, But yet God tells her, or God tells Joseph, like, listen, uh, you've got to do this. Joseph, Joseph goes to bed that evening, and he gets a vision. He gets a dream, and, he, and he's, he's, uh, he gets to have a conversation with the angel, angel Gabriel, right? Does anyone know what the angel Gabriel tells him? Yeah, I'm going to have a child. The child is of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives the child's the child of Mary. So I can only imagine, right, Joseph just wakes up from this dream. He's probably super sweaty. He's like, what the heck did I just hear? This is crazy, right? This lady that I'm trying to protect right now, Mary, is going to have the Son of God? And now, and now, God, you want me to be the father figure, the human father figure for this child of God? Forget it, dude. I ain't ready for that, right? How many of you in this room right now would be ready to be the father, human father figure of the Savior of the world, raise your hand. Some of you might. I know personally, I am not ready for that. <laughs> there is too much that comes alongside being the Father figure for the Son of God. So I cannot imagine the kind of the kind of things swirling around Joseph's mind of not only like all the drama that comes along with all this, but also like God, I don't know if I'm ready to be the Father to the Son of Man. I don't know if I'm ready to be the Father to Jesus. Like, I got my problems, man, and if this guy, if this Jesus is going to be perfect, how am I supposed to be a father to him, right? There's all these things, but yet still God is calling Joseph to say yes, to take this step of faith. He has no idea what's in store for him, right? And yeah, the, the Scripture tells us that the Christian walk, and I know we all know this myself, including the Christian walk, is a narrow path, right? It's not easy, is it? The Christian walk is not easy, and if it is, if it is easy for you, we're probably doing something wrong. The Christian walk is not supposed to be easy all the time. But the good news is that the scripture, the word of God tells us that the word of God is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And if, if, the, if the walk that we're walking is narrow as, as God has told us, 
I promise you it's not a dark path. It is a well-lit path with the word of God. So David, <clears throat> David begins to say, sorry, to say yes to God early in life. And then he's got this, this thing and God makes a, God says, you know what, David, with your heart like that, I'm going to do something, something you can't begin to dream of or imagine. And then Joseph, he wakes up because he has a dream and he's like, now I've got to decide if I'm going to say yes in this moment. And he does. And both of them see God do incredible things in their life. And they see really from the perspective of eternity, God do incredible things with their life all across the span of human history. <coughs> well, how does our yes, how does the opportunity that we have to say yes get, how does it get, uh, get how does it take shape in our world? You probably see people, I loved listening to some of the Life Change Plan stories tonight because those stories tonight talk about people taking a step of faith and taking and saying a, a yes somewhere along the way. <clears throat> and then over the course of time, things begin to change and they shift and God begins to do a deep and really good work. A few years ago, I met a guy by the name of Stephen Sawyer. He, was a, he, was a, he is an artist and he lives in central Kentucky. And Stephen Sawyer told me the story. Thank you, Rich. Sure. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Stephen Sawyer told the story about coming to faith in Christ when he was a young person in his 20s. And when he, he was a young artist, and he had this passion, this desire. He said, I wanted to paint Jesus. I wanted to take my paintbrush and just paint pictures of Jesus. He said, but I had to... <clears throat> I had to live too, right? And people at the time when I was 20 were not buying paintings of Jesus. And so he started to paint and he painted wherever he could and he lived out of a van for a while and then he lived uh, in all kinds of other places. But he had this desire to paint pictures of Jesus. 20 years down the road after he said yes to Jesus and after he, he made this commitment that he was going to paint pictures of Jesus, he was in a studio and he looked out the window of his studio and he saw a guy he had never seen walking across the street. And just as he saw the guy, he said, that's him. That's the guy I want to use as my model. He could never find a model. And so he tore out uh, down through the steps and out across the street, and he, he met this guy. And he, and he began to tell this guy what his dream was, what his passion was, that he wanted to paint pictures of Jesus. And so he started to take pictures and he started to, to use this guy as a model and he started to paint some pictures. We've got a couple different pictures that Stephen Sawyer painted of, of Christ, uh, his image of what Jesus would look like. As Stephen Sawyer began to do that and he reflected on the time frame and he reflected on how old this guy was who became his model for Jesus. He realized that when he said yes to Jesus, that he wanted to paint pictures, this model was three years old. There was no way that he could have used that guy when he was three. He had to wait for this young boy to grow and for his own sense of his spirit and for his skills to develop so that when the time was right, that sense of saying yes could come into full maturation. It could come into full bloom, and God could take that yes 
and do some incredible stuff with it and connect with people in deep and significant ways. Yeah, I was at a uh, I was at a conference, like a youth conference, with a bunch of other youth leaders in Memphis about a month ago, and I got to hear this guy named Brad Montague speak. I'm guessing no one's ever heard of Brad Montague, right? I hadn't before I listened to him speak of this thing. Super awkward white dude, kind of in his middle 30s. I saw him come out on stage. I started judging him right away. I was like, this is going to be lame, right? This guy's not going to know what he's doing or who he's talking to. Uh, but he starts talking, and, and Brad starts telling this story uh, about when he was in high school. He had this, uh, this passion of, like, videography and, like, writing scripts and, like, making movies and things like that. And, and stuff really wasn't going his way. He didn't really, nothing was coming to fruition. Um, his passion really wasn't taking him anywhere. And so he almost quit. He almost just like kind of gave it all up, sold all of his equipment. And, but then one night, um, he just decided, he was praying, and one night he decided to say yes to God. He decided, told guys, like, you've given me this passion. You've given me, a, a, like, I'm good at writing. I'm, I can kind of be funny. Um, I love videotaping things. I don't know where you're going to take me, God, but I'm going to run with this and see where it goes. And he had no idea either when he said yes to this passion of his that, um, I don't know, it's probably like 15 years later now, He's going to have this nephew named Kid President. You guys ever heard of Kid President before? Some of you guys have. So Kid President, if you've never heard of him, uh, is like a viral sensation on YouTube. And I'm guessing after you see this clip, you're all probably going to start, you're going to go home and you're going to start Googling Kid President. But I want to give you guys a quick intro to Kid President. So if you guys have watched the screens and watch this quick video. as this one with Kid President. What's this called? The pencil sharpener. <laughs> I like it. Treat everybody like it's a birthday. This is nice, people. You got air coming through your nose. The heartbeat. That means it's time to do something. Science. You hear? You take up space, you matter. Am I getting everybody? Am I getting everybody? What do you think, Fantastic. <laughs> Let's change the future. <laughs> Create something that will make the world awesome. You can't tell me, like, you can't love Kid President, right? There's no way. That kid just exudes encouragement and love and joy. It's crazy. And listen, if, if Brad Montague, the white dude in that video, would have said no to God years ago in high school, Kid President would not be a viral sensation bringing joy and love and peace to everyone around the world. He wouldn't have met Beyonce and got to kiss Beyonce. He wouldn't have met Macklemore, and then Macklemore starts hanging out with him, right? 
You, like, there's no way that Brad Montague said no back in the day that this would be a thing now that's bringing joy to so many people in the world. Kid President has this motto of create something that will make the world awesome. How many of us are creating something today? How many of us are willing to say yes to, to God tonight in order to create something that's going to make the world more awesome, that's going to further the kingdom of God like nothing that we've ever experienced before? Good. That's good to hear. Speaking of creating things that make the world more awesome, you've created something over here that I think makes the world more awesome. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, so back, like, it was a couple years ago, and I was in my office, which is on the other side of this, door, this wall right here, and I was being really lazy. I was sitting down in my office, like most people, you know, sit in their office at a, at a desk, and I was so tired of sitting all day. And so I started researching. I was like, uh, these standing desks. You guys ever heard of standing desks before? It's like, you don't sit at your desk anymore, you stand at it. So I was like, that should, that's supposed to make me more healthy without having to do anything except stand there. So I decided, I was like, I'm going to buy one of these. And that's not happening because they're like 900 bucks. I was like, forget that. So, so I decided I'm going to make one, right? And this is before I ever did anything with, with, with woodworking. I hadn't made paddles or anything like that. And I was like, oh, my brother-in-law has a bunch of wood in his shed. I'll just go get some wood and I'll get some Gorilla Glue. I'm going to glue it all up. And I've got, like a, I've got a power drill, so I'll just, I'll just screw it all together, right? And so maybe from where you're sitting right now, this desk looks pretty cool, right? It looks all right. But, man, when you get close to it, I'm giving this thing, like, another, like, three months before it completely implodes on me, okay? You'll see, like, you probably can't see, but, like, right here, it is, it is completely pulled apart. It is uncracking. On the bottom side, you'll see, like, there's a board that's cracked that's supposed to be at support, right? But the thing with this table is, yeah, maybe it's not, it, it might be pretty, but, like, it's not perfect by any means. But is it functional? Yeah, it's functional. It holds my laptop. It holds a glass whenever I need it. It holds some speakers. Guys, is it perfect? No. But is it functional? Yes. Our lives are not perfect. If they are, you better look at it a little bit closer. Our lives aren't perfect, right? But are they functional? Can God use you in any way, shape, and form? Yeah, we've got to be willing, though, to put in the effort, to say yes to him and take that step of faith because the, the walk that we're called to walk is narrow, yes, but it is well lit by the word of God. Are you willing to say yes this, this evening? So Tim is, sometimes when he describes his desk, he's, uh, he's not too proud of it. You know, he's like, that's the first thing I, I really started working on. And, and it's got the cracks. And he, he sees the things that where it's, uh, well, he's, he sees where it may fall apart. But in all actuality, when I saw that desk, I was inspired. I said, you know what, I, I want to I wanna build a stand-up desk too. And, and I've, I've had a little, few more years of practice with wood. And so a couple, well, it was a few months ago, I started working on something and, and I made this desk over here. And th there were times when I'm like, ah, it's not quite right. So I had to retool it, take it apart. And then, we're, then there were things where it's like, you know, I've done some, some things with wood and I feel pretty confident in it. But then there's times where it's like, it's time to try something new. And so I had to use, I tried a router for the first time and I put, put some trim on. But I was able to do that because a long time ago, I said yes to starting to build some things. And Tim is starting to build some things. And, and his paddle, which he showed us at the beginning, looks really pretty. And his, his skill is coming a long way. The beautiful thing is that when we say yes, 
And we start down that track. We start down that road. We start down that path in following Christ. Sometimes we don't always get it right. But the thing of it is, is God begins to do great stuff with our yeses. And he begins to form us and shape us. And begins to take us places where we don't even, we can't even think about or we can't even imagine. And we end up doing things or being a part of things. And we're like, how did we find ourselves here? Well, it's because God led us here. Because in, in a way, the same God that made promises that were bigger in David's eyes and bigger in Joseph's eyes than either one of them could have imagined is the same God who comes alongside of each and every one of us. And he says, when you start saying yes to me, yes to following me, maybe in a very simple thing, when you start saying yes and you keep an open heart, I'll lead you to places you can't begin to dream of or imagine. And I'll do things with your life. I'll do things with your life that you, you think, you may think, can never be done. But in all actuality, they can be. Because God is about building things that are really for his glory and the good of the world and for our good, too. Um, we have a question that we want to leave you with tonight. Um, and it's a question that, that we hope that you'll, you'll ask over the course of, of this evening, not just um, in the next couple minutes, but over the, over the rest of this night. And the question goes something like this. Oh, you want me to do it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the question is this. Has God come alongside of you and invited you in, into a track in following him? Have you ever at some point in your life said yes to God? If you've said yes to God, what's, what's the fruit of that at this point in your life? If, if you've said yes to God, how's God at work? How's he stretching you, growing you, leading you? If you've said yes to God, what's he going to do? What's he going to do that blows your own imagination and mind? And then here is this one last question. If you're here tonight and you've never said yes to God, why not? Why not? What's holding you back? What's holding you back from saying yes to the adventure that God wants to take you on? Tonight, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion in this place. And I think we've got some folks who are going to help us with that. And as we come to this place of Holy Communion, where we see the bread and the cup, Jimmy, you want to take the bread? You want to lift it up for us? Because Jesus did this. He took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it to his friends, his disciples. And he said, this is my body. In all actuality, one of the things Jesus was saying to, to his disciples and to us and to the world is that God has a big yes, he says to us. God believes in us. Because he made us. And he knows what we're made of. And to his disciples and, and to all of us, he says, friends, I believe in you. And I'm going to give you my life. And one way in that we get to experience it is through the, the bread of life. And then he took a cup and he raised it. He said a prayer of thanksgiving. 
And then he gave it to his friends and he said, this cup is a cup of a new covenant that is poured out for you and for many. For all those who will drink of this cup, there'll be a new covenant. Friends, you and I are invited to be people who partake of the life of Jesus and live into the covenant of God where he says, come and follow me and see what I'll do with your life. See how it'll reflect the goodness of God, the beauty of God, the wonder of what God wants to do and he does in this world in which we live. Kind Father, thanks for this day. Thanks for these elements of bread and cup. Thank you that you come into our world. You find ways where you you walk down roads to meet with each and every one of us. To hear us, to hear you make an invitation to be people who follow you. On this night, if we have faith, help us be people who say yes to you once again. And on this night, if we don't have any faith, give us faith. And if we've got just a little bit of faith, give us more faith, Father. And help us to become the people that you build into the beauty of your kingdom. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit we pray. As the band leads us, friends, you're welcome to come. In fact, you're invited to come and receive and partake of the cup. You're also invited to go to the prayer wall over here after you receive and pray. You're invited to go to the prayer room back there if you need to and and spend some time talking with God. If God has really come alongside of you and he's blessed you and you know what that's like to say yes to him, you're welcome to go to the windows over there and write that up there. But as the band leads us, as we have this time of communion, Stay in this place. Stay open. Stay in a place of saying yes to God.